whilst this week's sport is all on Salford City Radio and Rob Paxson, and we're here talking all things sport in Salford. Join me the show this week. As ever, we've got James Sweetnam. James, ready to talk all things sports in Salford and beyond. I most certainly am, Rob. I took a week off, but now I'm back in the thick of it in the world of Salford sport, and I can't wait to break it all down with you over the next hour. Yes, so let's start with the football, James, and Manchester United. Fixtures are out for the 2023 season. Uh, we've had a look at them. What do you think? Yeah, there's some good ones, isn't there? Manchester United have got some tough games and on the opener. They are Brighton, don't they? So that's going to be a tough game to get back into. But how are you feeling about the fixtures at the moment, Rob? You know what, James? You've got to play at least every team twice, haven't you, in, in the league? So it all kind of depends on the run uh, and, and who you get at certain points. Uh, I know Liverpool, the two games we play against them, home and away. One is the home game is in August. The away game is in March. You obviously, March, when when you're in the sort of the uh, the throws of the title race, could have done with that being the other way round. Uh, but, you know, it's one of them things. Liverpool's a tough contest wherever you play them. Yeah, I mean, it's never going to be easy to play Liverpool. Obviously, there's certain parts of the season that are more difficult to deal with than others. But all in all, if you're going to win the game, you should win the game. So I'm not overly too concerned about the fixture list. No. But I think looking at it, James, the the, the big problem, well, the, the, the thing is with the World Cup being held uh, at Christmas time, there's a massive gap at Christmas from the 12th of November to the 26th of December uh, when obviously you know England and, and the rest of the the the, the nations will be competing in in the in the world championship the world cup so it'll be interesting to see how, how teams kind of uh, sort of deal with that break in play yeah it's going to be interesting obviously it's something that hasn't been heard of before the Qatar world cup throwing up numerous problems and this is just one of them it's going to be interesting to see how this all breaks down and what position Eric Ten Hag will be in in that time. Will he be in a position where he's hanging on for dear life to keep his job because Manchester United are in yet again a terrible season? Or will we be thinking, wow, Eric Ten Hag's doing a great job and it's a shame to call a halt to this momentum? It's going to be interesting, James. Looking at the opposite of the fixture list, Brentford away, Liverpool at home, Southampton away, Leicester away all in August. It's a tough start, really, for for, for Ten Hag. Uh, and then it doesn't get any better with Arsenal at home, Crystal Palace away and Leeds at home in September. So he, he's going in, you know, where the, where the fire is straight from the off. He most certainly is. Uh, there's no ifs, buts and maybes. Looking at this fixture list, we've got it tough right from the off. But I think that's a good thing. Regardless of whether Eric Ten Hag will have massive success at Manchester United or not, Every time a new manager comes in, the team starts well. So due to the fact that it'll be new to the club, all these players will want to impress him. There'll be a window there where United players will play well regardless of who's at the helm. So it'll be an opportunity to pick up some good results against some teams that definitely cause us problems later on in the season. Yeah. Obviously, no signings confirmed yet, James. So is that a concern, do you think? Yeah, obviously there's all this... Mumbo Jumbo, is Frankie de Jong coming? Is he not? I mean, it'll be interesting to get your stance on this, Rob. I think he's a tremendous player, fantastic in the midfield. He's been a little bit abandoned by Xavi this season. But similarly to Pogba and a lot of the players at Manchester United, I get the impression that he's a big name who won't necessarily do a great deal of good. And I say that not due to his talent, but due to the fact that like Paul Pogba, and there's another interesting thing that we'll get onto him in just a minute about his recent documentary. Mm. But De Jong doesn't want to play for the club. 
What's the point in bringing him in? Yes, shirt sales, fantastic. But again, despite the fact we're bringing in a new manager, it feels like we're going to go down that same path of trying to acquire big names who do not want to wear the shirt. Which is a massive concern because obviously when you're in the trenches, everyone needs to be pulling the right way. And being Manchester United, every game is a cup final. So teams will, will go that extra mile. And if t- if players aren't really committed to the cause uh, and cracks you know, will appear and we'll see that, won't we, James? And it's, it is a concern. Obviously, not having Champions League football is a, is a big loss. But players have to realise they're playing for Manchester United. That, that's a, it's like playing for Real Madrid or, or AC Milan or Barcelona. They're playing for a, a stellar team in the world. And I can't quite get my head around why, why players think, well, if I'm not the Champions League, I'm not going to bother. You could be going to someone like, I don't know, Ghent or something like that in, in, in the Champions League and not have a chance of winning it. But you could play for Manchester United and be a, a global superstar in your own right. You could. And I suppose in this day and age, Rob, it's tougher to find the players who love history, who want to represent Manchester United, who are desperate to grace Old Trafford. Nowadays, they're going to go where the money is. Mm. And the money at the moment with the position Manchester United are in, it's not there, is it? No, but you are Manchester United and Manchester United make loads of money. So I don't think wages would be a problem because Manchester United have a global fan base. And even though you're not in competing in the Champions League, you're still playing in the biggest league in the world, aren't you? Being broadcast all over the world, uh, and people will recognise your face and you'll be able to get sponsorship for the back of that. Just because you're not playing Champions League, uh, you know, it shouldn't, shouldn't make a difference, or should it? I mean, it's difficult. Who, at the peak of the powers wants to play in the Europa Conference League or the, or the Europa League, they're the sort of positions that Manchester United are finishing nowadays. And it's not mm. where the greatest players on the planet want to play. I mean, it's almost insulting for a player of Cristiano Ronaldo's calibre to be playing in a league like that. And back onto Pogba very quickly, Rob. Uh, a recent documentary, quite comically entitled Pogmentary, mm. came out. And there's a clip of him sitting in a Rolls Royce, uh, which makes a beautiful imagery. But he sat in his car... Uh, claiming that 300,000 a week is not enough. It's insulting. And a lot of Manchester United fans are, are quite disgruntled by his comments. What, what do you make of them? It's it's terrible, isn't it? Obviously, £300,000 a week, and he's sat there going, nah, I need, I need, it's not enough for me to live. The current, you know, crisis in, in the world with, you know, low wages, high inflation and, and all that, and, and somebody's just sort of totally divorced from what, what's going on in the real world and yeah footballers get paid a lot of money and I suppose he's used to living a high life but when he obviously sits down and re-watches that and you're hoping somewhere in his head it processes what he says he says and he thinks to himself you know what what kind of wallet do I look here you know what I mean it's it's terrible it's it really is and even I suppose in United's view even if they haven't offered him a deal they, they probably thought he doesn't fit in our team anymore and probably want rid. So I suppose it's a win-win for both. But for him to come out and say, well, you know, I, I think I deserve a lot more than, than what I'm getting is, is, is unbelievable, really. Yeah, I'm quite... I was going to say quite shocked, but I'm not really because that's always been his attitude. He's always wanted more, hasn't he? Mm. And if 300000 a week's not enough for you, I wonder what is because I don't know what Juventus are going to offer him because it's looking like he's heading back there to a league that potentially suits him better than the Premier League or almost definitely suits him more than the Premier League because he doesn't have to, to work as hard. 
Will he get back to his best there? I don't know, potentially. But one of the most damning things about this is that twice Paul Pogba has left Manchester United on a free transfer. Yeah, and that and that's the problem with with obviously Paul Pogba. He, he was a, a, a talent. Alex Ferguson saw him coming through through the youth uh, and and decided at that point that Paul Pogba wouldn't fit in a, in our system and flirted him off uh, to, to to Italy. Made his name into Italy, and then he comes back, and you know he has really he hasn't delivered. He never did did deliver. Let's be honest with us. We we spent a lot of money, and we got sort of patches. We we got little bits of signs of what the player he could have been, but. As a whole, very disappointing. And now he's obviously going back to Italy, where he obviously played his uh, his best, uh, best, uh, best games. You know, he's probably thinking to himself, "I go back to Italy. You know, games a bit slower. I can use a bit, you know, a bit of my skills and look like the player. You know, everyone thinks he am, and and still get paid, uh, you know, three hundred, four hundred grand uh, a week. Uh, and and obviously that to quote uh, George Clark, the uh, Channel Four. Um, the uh, house development uh, presenter. It's just, it's just not enough. It's not enough, James. <laughs> it's definitely not enough. <laughs> it's nowhere near enough for him by the sounds. Like he wanted no. six hundred grand a week. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it's a saddening end and a rather bitter end to the career of Paul Pogba at Manchester United. And I suppose we hope that he finds himself at another club and maybe he does get back to his best at Juventus. But then it'll, it'll be tarred with a similar brush, like. Lionel Messi almost, of a player who was only capable of doing it in one league. Obviously, Lionel has time to, to turn that around. But Paul evidently capable in Syria, but but not capable in the Premier League. Or maybe that was maybe he was capable in the Premier League. And it's his attitude that halted him from achieving. But we'll never quite know for sure. But three players who are also leaving their clubs and made a massive impact. Gareth Bale, Isco and Marcelo. All leaving Real Madrid after long, long careers there. Marcelo, I think, his second ever club. He only spent one season apart from Real Madrid. He's achieved massive amounts. Multiple Champions League, multiple La Ligas. Isco, a diamond in midfield, wasn't he? And Gareth Bale, some tremendous moments over the year. Never quite reached his pinnacle the best he could have been. But he still had fantastic moments. That bicycle kick against Liverpool in the Champions League final stands out as potentially his best. But regardless... They've all moved on and Real Madrid have given the honour of transferring them over to the Legends section of their website. I think they all deserve that. Yeah, obviously Real Madrid, top club, plenty of quality players who have come through their ranks and, and you know worn that white jersey and produce moments of, of magic in both domestically and, and in the on the world stage. And yeah, I suppose, you know, every dog has its day and, and there is always a time. I think it's interesting. Players sometimes just know that their time's up when they go out gracefully. Uh, Gareth Bale, yeah, it's been a long drawn out saga, and it with, with Real Madrid, you know, with a golf situation and how much he loves Wales. And I don't think the Real Madrid fans particularly liked uh, that that situation. But if you look at the, the the facts and you know what he's done as a player at Real Madrid. You know, there, there is he's up there with the very best. Question is, what happens now with Gary Bale, uh, Gareth Bale? Honestly, with the World Cup coming up, needs to be playing. But who for? It's difficult. There's a lot of clubs in the hunt, isn't there? Tottenham obviously won him back. There was rumours of him heading to the Championship with Cardiff. Some more that he'll go to the MLS. I don't know where he'll end up. I mean, a lot of players retire, don't they, in America? But I don't think he's quite at that point yet. I still think there's a little bit more in those legs. Hmm. 
I agree with that, James. I think it's it's, it's every player knows when it's time, and he's you know he thinks he's still at the peak. He's obviously got Wales to a World Cup. Um, he probably sees that as his final swan song, really. So he, he just needs a, a team to to pick him up. I'm going to throw a team in there for you, James. Newcastle United. I think he could end up there. You know, multi-million pound owners ready to splash the cash. Newcastle looking for top, top players to take him to that next level. He could be the man. Newcastle need to make a statement, don't they, mm. with this money that they have in the club. Trippier, statement, definitely. But it's not the statement, if you get what I mean, Rob. Gareth yeah. Bale would be that statement. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the Premier League, in the history of the United Kingdom. A fantastic player. Gifted with the ball at his feet. A natural eye for goal. Knows how to pick a pass. A great, great player. And I think he'd have a fantastic addition into that uh, Newcastle team. What I will say, though, is would he want to play for Newcastle? Mm. Is he going to want to chase new dreams in the MLS? Is he going to want a, a passion project like Cardiff? Would going and making a money move to Newcastle at this point of his career fulfil him with joy? I suppose it's that situation. Is it is it money or is it love for the game? That that's the the big thing for him. I suppose Newcastle, if you throw enough money at him, will make that will make that decision easy. But then it becomes, you know, can he trust his body to hold out for the next three, five years or whatever Newcastle need him to play for them to complete the rebuild? Because that'll be the big situation, big moment. If he if he can withstand all the pressures of play at Premier League football for the next three or five years and and continue at the highest level, because obviously you know it's a rough, tough league, and you know injuries will will uh, will hurt him, and and his body will you know suffer. Yeah, most certainly. It'll be interesting to see where he goes, and we'll keep you all up to date on the Sports Zone, Rob. Now here's an interesting story: the PFA Team of the Year. It's out. Let's have a quick run through it. Okay. Nine Liverpool players, in t- uh, five Liverpool players, sorry, in total. We've got Alisson, Alexander-Arnold, uh, Van Dijk, uh, Cancelo for, for, for City, Ch- uh, Rodri- uh, Rudiger, sorry, just mm-hmm. leaving for Chelsea. We've got De Bruyne, Thiago, Bernardo Silva, Salah, Ronaldo getting in there, and Mane. What do you make of the lineup, Rob? Yeah, some top players there. I don't know how Ronaldo got in there. I know he's, he's, been, he's been fantastic for, for us. But has he been one of the best players in the league consistently through this season, James? I don't see it. I, re- I really don't. Really don't. Uh, De Bruyne, uh, Allison in goal for Liverpool, Salah. You know, you could say that. You know, they're they're a gimmies, aren't they? But for me, has, has Ronaldo done enough to become a you know in this team? I'm not sure. It's difficult, isn't it? I suppose he gets a degree of respect due to what he's done in the sport. He brings a lot of publicity to that side. Mm. However. You say there that he might not necessarily deserve it, but without his presence in the Manchester United team this season, <laughs> where would they have been? Because every goal seemed to be coming from Ronaldo. We'd be two, like, for example, in, in the Champions League when we were 2-0 down and he managed to fire us back into the game. Without him, United would have been in a lot more trouble than they were. Mm. I'll tell you where we would be. We'd probably go to Cardiff. <laughs> we would got to fail, possibly. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we'll be going. But yeah, it's uh it's interesting. It's interesting situation. 
obviously, you know, United with a rebuild, it's it's going to be interesting, interesting times because we obviously we know it's it's not going to be a quick fix, and is he part of the problem? And obviously, he scores important goals, um, but Hentag, I'm sure he'll, he'll look at that and he, he'll want to pick a team that's you know plays to his strengths. Talking about playing to the strengths, James, Man City uh, completed the the sign of uh, Haaland. Um, last week, you know, what a player he is and, you know, how much of a difference is he going to make to Man City? Uh, great news for Paul, terrible news for us. Mm. Erling van Haaland is an absolutely exceptional player. Natural strength, natural technique, fantastic on the ball, knows exactly where the goal is. He was an absolute wonder kid for Borussia Dortmund, wasn't he? A sensational player and like it all over it, I think he's going to quickly emerge as the best player in the Premier League. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player and, only 21 years of age as well. Yeah. 51 million quid, 86 goals in 89 games for Borussia Dortmund. Five-year deal. Uh, he's going to take City to, to that next level. And if we've spoke about, you know, the, the problems that, well, the problems, Man City don't really have many problems, but having no out-and-out centre-forward was a question mark over that team. But now him coming in, he is that, possibly that final piece of the jigsaw which might take him to European glory it's difficult isn't it there's so much pressure now on this European glory and it feels like Manchester City have got 99 pieces of a 100 piece puzzle doesn't it <laughs> and they need to somehow put this together and is Erling Haaland that final piece of the jigsaw maybe he might yeah. just be, Rob. I mean, he's yeah. a fantastic player he's so young and the, the issue is I know he's got a few injury problems but Assuming everything runs smoothly and he doesn't suffer from too many niggles, he's going to have a massive impact in the Premier League. I'm talking 30, 40 goals a season. Mm. And the maddest thing is, last season, it was odds on that, that Harry Kane was on his way to Man City. Man City resisted the temptation of signing Harry Kane, who is older uh, than, than Haaland. And, and now, you know, uh, it's, got the, it's got the best deal out of the two for me. Yeah, I mean, Harry Kane, a fantastic player, but slightly older than Haaland. And Haaland, I think overall, is just going to be a better player than Kane. I think Kane's fantastic, don't get me wrong, and he's sometimes underrated. But I think Haaland's genuinely the future of the sport. But I just want to sort of transfer over now to a less serious topic, Rob. To it. Okay. Earlier this week, we had soccer, eh, didn't we? The rest of the world defeating England. All eyes on Lee Mack as the man who had a great, great Irish grandfather or something. Yeah. Bagged the final penalty. A man who, renowned for missing them, finally delivered, finally came good. Uh, there were some great players on the pitch. The likes of uh, Detective Sergeant Ar uh, Stephen Argent, sorry, who Paul absolutely adores as a Line of Duty fan. But some great players involved in the mix. I remember a few years ago, Anakin Skywalker from Star Wars played, and that was like my worlds colliding. And mm. and unfortunately, he blazed a penalty over the box, which uh, which let me down really, considering I, I remember him as a master of his craft in mm. terms of using the force. But the man <laughs> versus Fu man once played for soccer. Aid. There's been some great players all in all, Rob. But my question to you, to include the football, and it's a big one: which celebrity would you like to see get involved? <sighs> Big, big celebrity who I'd like to get involved in Soccer Aid. I would like my Soccer Aid, my next Soccer Aid celebrity would be Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think him as a big centre half, keeping the attackers at bay. We've, we've seen him use his strength over years to, to beat predators, 
and bad guys all the same. So I think, obviously, lacking a bit of youth at the moment, but if you get someone young next to him to do his running, and he could do the, the uh, rough and tumble uh, and prevent the goals going in. What about you, James? Well, firstly, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger, a fantastic pick. And knowing how strong he is, he'd be a fantastic rock in the box, wouldn't he? Mm. And he'd be able to stop any predators coming his way, <laughs> if you're part of the pun. But uh, a player I'd like to see involved in Soccer Aid. I don't know if he's played or not, but I sort of feel like Gordon Ramsay should get in the mix. In there. One, because he'd be incredibly fiery up top. And two, because mm. he actually has a genuine footballing background, doesn't he? So I think Gordon Ramsay would be a fantastic addition. Yeah, he would. I think he's actually played before oh, James a few years I've ago. I've got to come up with somebody else. Give me mm. uh, who needs to get involved. Soccer aid. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. We'll go Tom, Tom Cruise because he yes. uh, loves his action, doesn't he? And he's a bit of a, a bit of an angry little fella, isn't he? So uh, it'd be mm. fantastic to see him get involved because I think he could make for some fantastic moments. Yeah, and he flies down the wing oh. and he's a top gun when him. he comes in for a goal. You're a genius, Rob. <laughs> I try, James. I'm very trying. That's what people say. They do. And uh, that was a fantastic performance. Uh, almost a Mission Impossible of... Uh, oh. I don't know. I don't know what's there. There's something there with it, Robbie. You put the pieces together. Sort of like the last missing piece of the jigsaw that Manchester City need to put together, as we mentioned before. But that's all we've got time for in terms of football today. I'm going to throw it back over to you, Rob. Yeah, before we start uh, talking at Rugby League, latter. Introduce Paul Weiser from the Devil in the Detail. Paul, we're going to touch on talk about Salford City FC. Uh, new signing uh, for them, Callum Hendricks coming. Uh, used to play for Blackburn. Used to play for Aberdeen. Fourteen goals uh, last season. Uh, uh, you know he's a good good goal scorer. Just what Salford City need. Well, yeah, that's what you need in League Two. You need a talisman, don't you? And someone who's going to find the net. I mean, twenty plus goals a season. If you can get somebody like that. That's definitely going to fire you up towards the playoffs, and if if not more, um, you know, most most sides in that league have got a good goal scorer at the near the top of the table, and you know he's experienced there as well, up and down the down the leagues, especially playing in in Scotland as well for Aberdeen and Scottish Premiership. I know it's not a great great standard the Scottish Premiership, but it's probably a higher standard than than uh, than League Two. So uh, so that that's quite a coup for uh, for Salford City, and sounds a really exciting signing. Yeah, uh, also season tickets are out on sale for the uh, the people of Salford uh, from £250 for an adult, £150 for a concession, £80 for under 16s. Paul, great value really for the Salford City FC for the you know for the fans uh, looking to build on on the attendances from last season. Obviously looking forward to that possible move to the AJ Bell. Uh, be interested to see if the people of Salford uh, decide to invest in the club and, and they'll get bigger crowds. Yeah, it seems good value. That I mean, you play twenty three home matches, I think, don't you? And twenty three away, forty six. So, so yeah, I've not done the maths to divide it up to how much it is a week, but it's um, it seems good value to me. That and yeah, definitely, definitely want to build the crowds. I'm not sure what they were averaging last season, maybe around two, two, three, two thousand, three thousand, something like that. So yeah, if you want to get you know promotion and play in bigger stadiums, you do need to build your attendance, don't you? So I'm pretty sure with a successful season and. Uh, Know, pushing towards uh, promotion and playoffs. I mean, the bookies have got Salford down as one of the favourites, haven't they? So, you know, a good start is imperative, really, if they're, uh, you know, to get on that um, get on that run. So, so yeah, exciting times for Salford City, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure they've got a good season in prospect. 
yet. And also there's news that the club are looking to engage with fans further, Paul. Obviously, us, you know, we, we watch Sofa at Devils and there's been you know, great interaction between uh, the board and the fans. And it seems like Salford City FC are trying to do a similar thing uh, with like fans reputate, reputational groups and uh, representation groups, sorry. And it's it's great. Uh, they're looking for an away day rep. They're looking for a disability rep. They're looking for an LGBT uh, rep and a women's rep. So obviously, it's, you know, for fans to be able to, to you know, talk to and, and discuss any problems that might occur. Yeah, I think it's important that you work with your supporters. And I mean, especially for for a club like Solver, who's probably not got a massive, massive crowd. You know, for the you need to look after the supporters you've got before you, you find new supporters, don't you? So I think it's important that you get on board with the, with your loyal supporters and the ones that have been going for a while and and, and stay in touch with them and, and get their ideas because at the end of the day, the supporters are the club, whether that's football, rugby, cricket, whatever sport you want. You, you know, you've not got a, a sport without you, you, your supporters at your club. They're the lifeblood of the club, so it's important that you listen to them, listen to their ideas and. I think if you if you go down that route, you're not going to do much wrong. I mean, supporters can come up with some good ideas, can't they? Because they know the club inside out. They know how things work. Um, so so that's a good step in the right direction. And I think if you are working close with your supporters, you've got that bond there between you know the hierarchy at the club and um, and your um, and your loyal fan base. So uh, yeah, it's a good positive uh, good positive news that for Salford City. Yeah, obviously the the match day experience is far more now than it was in in the past, where you just used to go to the match and watch the game and come home. It's all about the environment and the event and what's going on. And I suppose event, you know, groups like this will help Salford City FC to be able to shape that match day experience for, for all the fans. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, I've never been to Salford City. I've been I've been to the ground to watch rugby league before, but I've never actually watched the Salford City football match. So I couldn't tell you what um, the match day experience was like there. But uh, you know, if they're working on things and making it you know more entertaining and exciting, we know what Salford. It's it's totally different from you know when we went you know sort of thirty odd years ago to to what it is now. Like you said, you, you don't just roll up now and, and watch the team. There's music. There's all sorts of things going on at the ground before the game, you know, dancing ladies on the pitch, and you know, they're the setting the other, and all sorts of entertainment going on, isn't there? So, um, I'm probably not the the most uh, technical when it comes down to that. I'm, I'm only really interested in the rugby league, but you know, for children and new, new people who are coming, they enjoy that, don't they? And I think it helps build the, build the atmosphere and build the crowd as well, doesn't it? So, uh, so yeah, I think Salford City are going to get on side, but that's only going to help. Yeah, um, there's a friendly organised with Rotherham on the 13th of July, seven o'clock kickoff at home. Obviously, uh, an an event opportunity for new players to bed in. Yeah, certainly. And you know, your, your pre-season games in football, your pre-season I think is pretty important. Really, like we just mentioned, there you've got a long, hard season. You know, 46 league matches plus all the other cup games that you play as well. And if you if you're in League One and League Two, you, you do play an awful lot of matches, don't you? Especially in the Football League Trophy as well. You've got your FA Cup, your League Cup. But I think that Football League Trophy, the way it's uh, done now, you play group games in that as well. So you're probably, uh, you're probably looking at about 60 games by, by the time you get to the end of the season. So it's a long, hard season. So you need to prepare for that as best you can. And I think pre-season can get the players up to speed because if you're talking about players who play in League One, League Two, they have 
probably quite a bit of time off, don't they, at the end of the season? I mean, they're not playing internationals and, and that, what have you, like some of the Premier League players are. I mean, for them, it's like a never-ending season. But, you know, they, they do need a bit of time, don't they, to get up to full match fitness. And, you know, you need that to carry you through that, that long, hard season. So I'm pretty sure they'll be putting together a, a tough pre-season to, uh, to, to get themselves ready for the, the season ahead. Yeah, just before we obviously move on, Paul, let's talk a bit about ice hockey. Man Storm in the off-season at the moment, a bit of a restructuring going on at the club with the new coach, uh, Matt Ginn, who used to be the goalkeeper uh, last season. He's moved into the head coach role. He's appointed uh, Dallas Earhart, which is a, you know, he's an iconic figure at, at Manchester Storm, plays sort of centre-half. Uh, he wants to move into the sort of the player assistant uh, role at the club. You know, I think it's a good idea to, to have uh, this sort of arrangement. Obviously, he's got vast experience in the world of ice hockey. And uh, for him and Matt Gidd to link up uh, and obviously drive that Manchester Storm engine forward is only going to be a good thing. Well, it's continuity, Rob. You know, you've got two people there who've, who've spent time at the club. They they know the club inside out, and and like I said, yeah, continuity for the for the players. They they're not just outsiders who are coming in. The people who know how Manchester Storm tick. So uh, I, I think sometimes an appoint, appointment from within can be a lot more positive than bringing a new sort of person from from outside who it takes them six months to bed in so that could be a real positive move that as well and you've got two people who are you know, fairly young and, and ambitious in, in in the coaching circles and uh, I think that could could prove to be a masterstroke really we'll have to see how it unfolds when the when the season starts but uh, but yeah another positive uh, news story for Storm yeah, obviously they're off season. Transfer rumours knocking around. It's it's important that the Storm fans, you know, pick up them season tickets because obviously that's a main sort of funding for the club. Um, it's a different situation obviously with with the other sporting clubs in our area. Uh, and you're hoping, obviously, the people who listen to this show who may have sort of brought got it bought into the ice hockey listening to us that might want to go and invest and and be able to, to help Manchester Storm reach. Uh, possibly a playoff spot yes yeah, so I think it's the same in any sport again with, with, with crowds and things like that we say it all the time at Solve don't we I mean it's difficult to, to, to buy players and you know play players wages if you've not got the attendance and the bums on the seat so that's vitally important that for Manchester Storm and you know like we've said before it's a fantastic um, arena what they play in real good atmosphere you know thrilling sport as well you know it's not probably one of the traditional sort of British sports but ice hockey's been around this country for a long time now hasn't it and you think about the Storm days in the, in the old MEN arena and things like that though the heyday of ice hockey I mean that could come back so, uh, yeah, we wish them all the best of luck this season. And, yeah, get behind them if you can. You know, it's a really good night out. And uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it if you get down there and watch it. Yeah. So let's talk Rugby League now, Paul. And we'll start with the internationals. No Super League this week. Special arrangement in the calendar to give England and uh, France and various other countries opportunity to warm up for a World Cup, which is in England at the end of the year. So um, England faced France at, at Warrington. Uh, sorry, England faced the Combined Nations, didn't they? And won 18-4? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, France played Wales, didn't they, over in, Wales. in France? Yeah. England, England played the Combined Nations, 18 points to four. Kenny Seal and... Brody Croft playing for um, for the Combined Nations and played pretty well uh, from from what I saw and you know Callum Watkins playing the centres for uh, for England you know not played in the centre for Salford this season played in the second row but didn't let anybody down I think it was a good run out for uh, 
for England ahead of the World Cup. We're going to have a massive test in the World Cup, aren't we? You look at the strength of some of the nations we're going to be playing against. And that combined nations team that, you know, Ellery Hanley put together, uh, he, he coached them, didn't he, Ellery? You know, legend of the sport that he is and got them into, a, you know, into a, a good side, really, I thought, and give England a, a good good test. It, was, wasn't, it wasn't all sort of um, runaway, fiction, uh, runaway result for them, really. It was... It was a tough test, wasn't it? But in a good game as well, with some some good skills on show. And uh, there was one or two players in the England side, particularly George Williams, and he's probably not played that well this season for uh, for his club side. But you know, had a good game there. And I think perhaps a few players who, who probably didn't play as well. So there's a lot of head scratching for Sean Wayne to do there. But I think there's a lot of positives that came out of it, and it's only going to help them. I mean, I don't think we play enough international rugby league and you can't go into a World Cup cold. You need to have these preparation games and try combinations out and things like that and get yourselves used to playing together in that group. So, uh, so yeah, it was a good run out and, uh, and, and pleasing to see some Salford players in the side. Would you keep the combined nations next season? Let's say, Paul, obviously, you know, quite a success last two week, uh, two years, sorry. Uh, you know, one win for each. People talk about the Australians and, and, and the state of origin. Is the potential for, for this to grow to a similar um, style? Do you know what, Rob? I, I remember us having, I think it was around 2003, possibly something like that, 2002 maybe. We had the origins over here, didn't we? The Lancashire and Yorkshire and things like that. And I think that would make a you know, really good competition if we brought that back again, because that's where the majority of our homegrown players are based, aren't they, or where they come from. So I'd love to see that come back. I think that the supporters would have an appetite for that as well. Uh, whether you could have that as well as a combined nations game, perhaps even a, a game against France. You know, France, I mean, they're not up to the sort of standard of Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, are they? But I think France as a nation are improving all the time, aren't they? Especially with two sides in, in Super League now. And there's, you know, a good um, nucleus of French players in the Catalan side, particularly some of the young lads coming through. So so I think that would be a good test. I think the more international rugby league you play, the better. Um, I think next season, I, I'd love, I'd love to see that. I'd love to see if, like, uh, maybe like a mini test series. I don't know whether we could do that because you probably need a couple of weeks off. But I think it's right. I think it's good for the for the the Super League and the and the Championship teams that you get that sort of break halfway through the season. Um, saying again, Super League, a tough competition. You've got like back-to-back games at Easter and things like that. And I think a mid-season break to play International Rugby League, you know, it's good for the sport and it gives the teams a bit of a rest, doesn't it? I mean, you look at a side like Salford, the squad we've got, you take a few injuries and that. These, this break, it can do you the world of good, can't it? You know, just giving your players a bit of time to recuperate and rest some weary bodies and that. So, um, And then on the other hand, it helps England as well, preparations for the World Cup, because that World Cup's going to be an amazing competition. Um, we, we know... The task that we've got in hand, you know, Australians, I think they're about eight to one on to win the World Cup. They're, they're very short odds, aren't they? So bookmakers have, have got them on as a nailed on favourite. So we're going to have to be at our best to win that. So as much preparation and and, and, and care we can take into preparing for it is, is, is going to be a big thing. Obviously, no Jackson Hastings for England next Salford. He's a very good talent. Obviously, it's going to be a situation because we've got a lot of great uh, sort of halfbacks to see, you know, who fits in that role. Yeah, well, there was no Australian-based players, was there, in the the combined nations? We've got quite a few over there. You've got the likes of Elliot Whitehead, who's playing over there, and 
Uh, who else is over there? Burgess, Tom Burgess, and uh, you've got Jackson Hastings, Oliver Gilda at West. Uh, Ryan Sutton plays over there as well, the forward who was at Wigan. So you've got quite a good uh, selection of players over there in the NRL. Herbie Farnworth as well. Um, so you've, you've got those that, that could possibly come in at the end of the season. I'm sure Sean Wayne's looking at them. I don't know whether Jackson is going to put his hand up. I'm sure he would do if he was asked to play for for England. So, um, so yeah, I think we've got some talent in there. I mean, you know, one player who impressed me at the weekend was John Bateman. I think, you know, not the biggest guy in the world, but I think he's a, a guy that plays above his weight and, you know, impressed when he played in the NRL. So we're going to need that that pack, we're going to need that pack to play well against the Australians because they're massive, aren't they, all over the pitch. You know, you look at their outside backs and they're bigger than our forwards, some of them. So, uh, so yeah, I think, there's, I think there's players who didn't play in, in the um, England Combined Nations game that could definitely be up with a shout. I don't think all's lost if you didn't play in that game. Uh, I think you've still got a massive chance. You've got to make sure you're, you're impressing every week now in Super League to impress Coach Sean Wayne. I mean, he'll be going to the games, he'll be watching the games. And, you know, if you can get some good form, you've got an, an excellent chance of, of being in that. Yeah. Solving representation was quite good. Ken Seal, Brody Croft, Callum Watkins played for England. How do you think all three went? Yeah, I thought they did well. I thought Brody Croft did well. Ken Seal, you know. Uh, does, does what Ken Seal does, doesn't he? And, um, you know, he'd be at home in any team, really, wouldn't he? I mean, if he was English, Ken Seal would be, you know, he'd be a shoe in to play for England. So he does what he says on the tin. Great finisher, uh, plenty of pace, and, you know, all around top winger. I thought Brody Croft showed some nice touches as well. He got clattered a few times, took a few knocks as he, as he does. You know, he plays the game on the edge, does Brody Croft. Very brave player, and, uh, you know, he's improved every week for Salford this season. I think. Well, I'm hoping we're going to see um, you know some big performances from Brody you know throughout the summer now as we uh, are closing to the second half of the season. I thought Callum Watkins as well playing in the centre looked very solid to me, and uh, he was probably not blessed with as much pace as he used to have. Callum Watkins, you know, he's had an awful lot of uh, bad injuries and time out, but he's still a classy player, got a good offload, great defender as well, and uh, you know he he wouldn't do anybody. Um, any letdowns if he played in the World Cup and I'd definitely have him in that squad for his experience alone so yeah I think the Salford contingent did very well and can hold their heads up high in that game at weekend Yep talking about Salford contingent uh, two other Salford players f- played off in the other international France v Wales Morgan Gray for France Reese Williams for Wales France uh, were victorious 34 points to 10 Um you know, in France, obviously Wales haven't played rugby league for a few years, so John Kay um, has a rebuild job there. But Reese Williams was the captain of Wales, and he does a great job at Salford, and he must be proud uh, being a, a record cap holder too. Yeah, I was going to say he's um, he's been a real mainstay of that Welsh side, hasn't he? And uh, tremendous try record as well. He's probably found it tough this season getting into the Salford side, you know, with with Joe Burgess and and Ken Seo there. It's unfortunate for Reese because every time he plays for Salford, he doesn't let us down. And I'm pretty sure he'll have opportunities throughout the rest of this season to play. So uh, yeah, just going back to Wales. Oh yeah, tough for them. They've they've not had loads of action, and, and France is always a tough game to go and play, especially over in France. So uh, so yeah, John Keir, tough job on there. But I think France improving all the time, as I mentioned before. 
They've got a good contingent now playing the Super League, some some fantastic young players as well, particularly at the Catalan Dragons, who, who we see on Sky Sports, don't we, making the debuts over the last few years. You know, Arthur Morg and one or two of the others, I think, have been tremendous. So, uh, real skillful players. They like to play an exciting brand of football, the French. They always have done with a good offload game. You know, a lot of off-the-cuff stuff as well, and they're exciting to watch. So, uh, so yeah, I hope France are strong at the World Cup. I really do. And um, and yeah, it's good to see some international rugby league, Rob, because we've missed it. Yeah, I think Toulouse and Catalan, I think gave something like nineteen players to that French uh, mm. side. So it's, it's great, obviously, the opportunity for the French players to represent the country only helps sort of produce the quality for, for the future and we're all excited about the World Cup to, to, to come obviously Australia are, are the favourites uh, but you know there could be teams who are, who are there and thereabouts uh, come quarterfinal semi-final yeah, I think you've just got to look at the progress that France have made as a nation in rugby league since Super League started. We had Paris Saint-Germain, didn't we, for the first two seasons of Super League in 96 and 97. If you look back at the history books, the majority of that side were Australian players, New Zealand players and players from the Southern Hemisphere. But, you know, same with Catalan Dragons when they came. I think there was quite a lot of Australians in that, in that side, wasn't there? But over the years now... The, the Catalan Dragons, they've, they've picked up some some good English players over there, and like I said, Sam Tompkins have gone over there and, and plied the trade, which is hats off to them to being able to attract those sort of players. But the mainstay of the side now is French players, so that's that's all kudos to them. They're bringing players through, and you know, same with Toulouse, they've got some some top French players over there. So uh, no credit to them. I think it's making their nation stronger. At rugby league and, and and bringing their national side on, so uh, so so yeah, the the stronger we've got, the better. I mean, look at Tonga, look how they've improved over the last decade or so. I mean, some people are talking about them as being dark horses for the World Cup. I mean, they were tremendous in the last World Cup, you know, getting to a, a semi final. So um, so yeah, it's great for rugby league. The more the more you know competition we have at international level the better for me. We don't want it like the old days where it was just like maybe England, New Zealand, Australia. You know, the more teams there, the more exciting it makes it. Yeah, it proves kind of expansion works really, but I think the, the thing that people forget is Catalan Dragons when they first got into the Super League had like a three-year, um, you know, relegate no relegation mm-hmm. policy. Unfortunately for Toulouse, who've just come in this season, uh, it, it looks like they could go down. It's a, it's a massive problem for the RFL. There is talk of expanding the Super League to 14 teams and, and stopping relegation, which would probably benefit the, the international game. But would that hurt the domestic game, uh, not allowing these teams in the Championship uh, the opportunity to uh, reach the Super League? I think it's all well and good doing that, Rob, but uh, you know, Toulouse knew at the start of the season that they weren't immune from relegation, so you, you need to pan the rules out before the, the, the thing kicks off. I mean, I've seen people mention it recently and pundits, well-known pundits, talking about Toulouse staying up. And For me, you can't change the rules halfway through a season. You know, if Salford were bottom of the table, you wouldn't be changing them. So, and same if Leeds, Ryan O's or whoever. So, you know, I get that. I get to lose in a different situation to other clubs because they're a new team. And, you know, perhaps they should have done that. But I think it affects the integrity of the competition if you're going to start saying, well, two are going to come up, we're going to extend it to 14 teams. If you're going to do that, you need to make it known 
you know, at the start of the season, say, for, you know, we start 2023, stay at the start of the season, for the 2024 season, we're going to expand it to 14 teams and this is going to happen. To me, you've got to outline that. It's got to be drummed into everybody so everybody knows. So then it's a level playing field and it's fair. So otherwise, it just makes the game a bit, bit not, not a joke, but it just seems like you, you're moving goalposts and, and, you know, cynics will say that. And you can understand that that point of view because it does feel like you're moving goalposts to, to help teams out. And, you know, I get, we want to have a strong team in Toulouse and this, that and the other, but you can't force it. You know, it's up to them to be strong. You know, they, they knew they were coming up to, to Super League. They wiped the floor with a lot of teams last season in the Championship and they've struggled in Super League. Same as Featherstone Rovers and, and Lee this time. They're wiping the floor with everybody in the Championship, but how would they go on in Super League? It's a massive step up. I'm not so sure whether Lee and, and Featherstone will be strong enough. I don't know. We'd have to wait and see, but you know, it's it's up to the, the, you know, the powers that be. They'll make those decisions. Yeah, there was a women's international as well this weekend. England women faced France at Warrington and won 36 points to 10. Fantastic game uh, of rugby league, really showing the potential that the women's game has got. Amy Hardcastle sorry, scored two tries and now has 22 tries in 22 games for England. And also uh, Jodie Cunningham, you know, showing touches of class. It kind of like these two ladies are the, you know, the, the, the mainstays of this England um, team and hopefully publicity that they can sort of bring to the table uh, can grow the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the ladies are going to get a showcase of their game this week. I think it's on Friday night. St. Helens play Leeds in the Super League and the, the ladies play off, I think, at five o'clock or half past five before that. So they'll be on the on the television to, to show their skills off. I'm sure that'll be a great game. But, uh, but yeah, tremendous try record that. And uh, good to see two international games taking place there at Warrington. It seemed a good atmosphere on, on, on Saturday, uh, sort of uh, late afternoon, early evening for, for both the games. And as I said before, International Rugby League, is the key, I think, international rugby league. You, you know, it's got to be played more. We've got to make more of it. Um, you know, if you look at the other cold rugby union, they, they sell stadiums out for internationals, and I think we need to buy into that a bit more as a, as a sport because um, you know, you know, international rugby league is what it's all about. I mean, you can look back at some of the test matches over the years. I mean, for me, as personally speaking, as a supporter, some of the best games I've been to have involved Great Britain and, and England and, and Australia. You know, the Ashes Test, the, the fantastic atmosphere aren't they and uh, you know the best against the best if you like and uh, you know the ladies are proving that as well you know they're playing some tremendous stuff at the moment and uh, and yeah the ladies game is definitely on the up yeah talking about the the ladies game so for devils ladies were in action this weekend they traveled to hull and won 36 points to six good win for chris bates ladies two tries from louise fellow one from alex simpson one from lauren ellison one from kaylee bradshaw um one from demi jones one from serena tamana and steph gray all got all the line for chris bates ladies still top of the table uh, going great guns yeah, another good result. We mentioned it on the podcast, didn't we? It was a tough place to go. Um, you know, going up to Hull, whether it, whichever side of Hull it is you're going to. So, uh, a good win. I think Chris Bates would be uh, be very chuffed with his defence. You know, just to concede the uh, the six points is is a is a good is a good result. That hard working display, hard working performance, and you know, with, with his cup game coming up soon in the next couple of weeks, you know, that's what they're aiming for as well now. So to keep ticking over in the league, especially after the setback we had a couple of weeks ago, I think uh, you know the ladies have knuckled down, haven't they? And they, they've, um, they've really come out fighting the last two weeks with two excellent results. 
Yeah, Salford staff full back. Lucy McKeon limped off early for Salford. Obviously, a doubt now for that semi final. How big a blow is that for Chris Bates' ladies that she might not make it? Yeah, it's a big blow. It's a big blow when you get your star player gets injured at you know any sort of level. So um, they'll be hoping no, not not just for the team, but you know personally that you know she's had such a great season. You don't want her to miss out on the on the big games now and the the ones with it with the prizes at the end of them. So uh, let's hope it's nothing too serious. You can co- come back, but you know if the worst comes to the worst, Chris Bates knows his side. He'll have players. He'll have to shuffle things around. That's what coaches have to do sometimes. But you know, fingers crossed that she she pulls through, makes a recovery, and. Uh, you know, just get to play in the uh, in the cup. Yeah. Um, other games that took place this weekend, the PDRL team, which is the Physical Disability Rugby League team, they were involved in a festival at Alton. Um, play three games, beat Wigan, uh, lost to Warrington, and lost to to Wakefield. But you know, it shows that obviously it's fantastic that rugby league is is for everybody. Uh, even though they've lost their two out of three, they've done the the people of Sulphur proud. Yeah, certainly have. Yeah, it's great to see these festivals. I mean, we're talking about them every week now, aren't they? I mean, we never used to see this much uh, rugby league going on, did we? Um, whether it be uh, you know what level of women's or, or physical disability, learning disability, you know, you name it. Now you, you, you're seeing it, so it's great to see everybody getting involved in rugby league and playing the sport. And yeah, obviously you want to win games, but you know you want to enjoy yourself on the pitch as well. And uh, you know. To beat Wigan, that's a that's a good result. Wigan, are, you know, they're good at rugby league, whatever level, aren't they? So, uh, no, I'm sure they all enjoy themselves and uh, they'll be looking forward to their uh, their next out indefinitely. Yeah, on Sunday, the club have marketed it as Super Stun Sunday. The LDSLR team, which is Learning Disability Rugby League team, they've got a festival being played on the training pitch outside the AJ Bell. It starts at 12.30, Paul. It's Salford, it's Lee, it's Wigan and it's Wakefield. And then the main event, Salford take on Wakefield at three o'clock. And then after the game is the uh, Origin Academy, which is like Lancashire v Yorkshire, War of the Roses. We've talked about the possibility of War of the Roses in the senior game. Uh, but it's great. Obviously, a massive event. Uh, lots of rugby to be watched and absorbed. And you're hoping the people of Salford who are listening to this uh, on their radios uh, this evening uh, will want to go down and support the event because obviously Salford Devils are their local side. We're trying to build the profile, um, you know, in the community. And uh, if you've got, a, you know, if you want to go down and support and, and and watch these games it's only going to benefit everybody Oh definitely I mean it sounds a fantastic day doesn't it it's a real festival of the rugby league coming up on Sunday and uh, no, I think you've got to hats off to the club and hats off to all the people who work behind the scenes organising everything because it takes a bit of organising that it really does and you know a lot of people are volunteers aren't they the club the foundation do an awful lot as well so you know that's everybody who's involved in in putting this on and staging this because I'm sure everybody involved will have a fantastic day out all the, the players playing at all the different levels so uh, so yeah it promises to be a, a fantastic day yeah uh, Salford have announced a six game ticket for all the games that have left in the season which is Wakefield Catalan Set Ellens Huddersfield Hull and Warrington adult tickets for, uh, from £105 and children's tickets are from £5 great initiative obviously for people who didn't buy a full season ticket, but have been listening to the radio like us and, and interested now in going to watch Soul Red Devils. Opportunity to go and purchase this half season season ticket uh, and you know get involved in the action. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good value, it's a good price, and 
you know, there's some mouthwatering games there coming up now towards the end of the season. Those are the home fixtures, aren't they? You see, to get a cover, and there's quite some good away games as well. You've also got the Magic Weekend coming up in a couple of weeks at, at Newcastle. So there's an awful lot of rugby league to be played. You know, you look forward to the game against Wakefield ne- next Sunday and uh, this Sunday coming, sorry. And you know, it's going to be a fantastic game. That both sides are tied on ten points now, and. You know, down down at the sort of wrong end of the table, really. This is a massive game. There'll be a lot of nerves on this one, and it's one I'm really looking forward to. You know, there's quite a few ex-Solver players in the in the, the Wakefield team, isn't there? You know, and I'm not sure if we've got one or two Wakefield players that have to go through this one. I don't think we have actually, but uh, but knows an awful lot on that. Willie Poaching coming back as well. The Wakefield coach was at Solver for a while on the coaching staff, so uh, so yeah, it'd be nice to see some old faces from from there. But. That's going to be a great game, that. But yeah, that season tickets, you know, it's real value for money. That, and I don't think the clubs let us down at home. Really, we've you know, lost a few home games, but I think the uh, the overall entertainment for the whole matches have been tremendous. I think it's been great. There've been real festivals, haven't they, at Salford? Real, uh, real events, and uh, yeah, you won't be disappointed if you go down to the AJ Bell. It's a good, uh, good night or a good afternoon. Do you think the week off will have benefited Paul Rowley's men? Um, I don't think he's done us any harm, Rob. I think we had uh, you know some some battered and, and bruised bodies, didn't we, over the last couple of weeks? So I don't think it does you any harm. I think sometimes it can, you know, if you're on a bit of a winning run and you want to keep playing, the, you know, the, the the week after, don't you? But looking at the squad and the, you know the way we the Wigan game panned out, it's a tough game that you know Wigan are, are a, a good side, good pack of forwards. I think you know a week off after that could have done us the world of good and you might see one or two players coming back into the fold so uh, and this is a big game it's a home game against Wakefield you know Wakefield beat us away from home and pressure's on now you know we've got to start pulling away from the bottom of the table yeah Swinton Lions are in action uh, this weekend they're away at uh, London uh, Scholars obviously away from home be a tough uh, contest that yeah, it should be. I think Swindon will have too much for the Scholars. You know, Scholars have, have struggled so far this season. And as we said before, League uh, League One is like two leagues, maybe three leagues in one, really. You've got some sides at the bottom who are, who are struggling to compete, really. And, uh, you know, Swindon one of those sides at the top that are, that, you know, are going to be challenged for promotion. When, you know, Keith Lacuz, I think, are, are the side at the moment that everybody's uh, looking at. They've made some really exciting signings as well. Seem to be very, very ambitious and, and are getting good crowds as well, which is good to see. Um, you know, the people enjoying the rugby league in that part of Yorkshire. But Swinton, you know, they've got to keep consistent. They can't switch off. These are the bread and butter games you've got to win if you want to be about, you know, there or thereabouts at the end of the season. So, you know, Scholars will make it difficult. You know, they, they had a really good win over, um, over Oldham uh, just before the Challenge Cup final, didn't they? That was a shock win down there. So I think, you know, travelling away from all London, Scholars can struggle a bit. But away uh, at home, you know, they take some beating down there. So, uh, you know, it's a banana skin for Swinton. They've got to be switched on and be professional. Yeah, 30 seconds to go. Mike Butt uh, played for Wales. He's uh, played 150 games for Swinton. What a great servant he's been. He has been a good servant to Swinton. Scored an awful lot of tries as well. Plenty of pace. And, you know, they were looking for him to score this weekend. I'm, I'm sure he will do because he, he, he scores plenty of tries for them. So, yeah, great servant to Rugby League and, uh, you know, well well loved at Swinton Lions. Yeah, and we've been a great servant to sport in the city of Salford. So, big thanks for tuning in to this week's Sports Zone. I'm Rob Parkson, and we'll see you next week for more Salford Sporting Chat. 